0: still Kirby lovely check
1: Kirby! one week three wins all the points that's how we do it here at Chelsea FCW welcome to Fran Kirby's Fight Club your one-stop listen to all things Chelsea FCW I am Andre Carlisle and I am here with Miriam as always Miriam how are you
0: I'm doing pretty good. Um, I was seeing a little bit sluggish yesterday like Chelsea in the first half. Um <laughs> and <laughs> then, Spoiler alert. and then well then I I made a a recovery in the second half and yeah as you say a week of wonders three wins in a row and it you know it it was easy in the end.
1: Yeah, so we didn't record after the Champions League match, so maybe we should touch on that real quick mm. just to kind of talk about it. I know that Emma Hayes afterwards said it was boring. <laughs> I don't disagree with her, but I think it's hilarious to hear the manager actually say that. Um, so maybe we should talk about that because it was a win. It was a win of over, over Real Madrid, which we absolutely needed to do in order to stay top and go through top which I think we've secured and le- like there's still a chance for the goal differential if we lose the last game but they'd have to score a lot of goals <laughs> I think the goal differential is like six at the moment so that's what it would be but Mariam what did you think about this game?
0: I think MA saying it's it's boring is kind of correct because that's kind of you know we've become a team where sometimes we have to push performances out like that but I was quite pleased with how things went Um, you know getting the penalty and Gura right and scoring that was great and then After that, there being an own goal in the 70th minute, you just think it's getting to that time of the game where maybe we have to make a few substitutions and and maybe things are looking a little bit tricky. But I think we... We pushed through that game um, and even though it was a midweek game and we'd rotated from from last week, we still looked really strong. Um, I'm just looking at the match stats here. We had 16 shots and 10 on target, which is just to tell you about how dominant we were, even though the scoreline perhaps doesn't sort of suggest that. But if it is boring and we still win, then, you know, I'm quite happy with that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, sometimes you do need to grind games out. I'm a little disappointed because, especially that first match versus Real Madrid, we definitely won that, but the refs decided that we weren't going to get, uh, we weren't going to win, which is really annoying. So it, this it kind of painted this match as maybe Real Madrid had a bit more chance to pull a a, a double of sorts of, of causing Chelsea to drop points, but that did not happen, thankfully. But I'll tell you, what wasn't boring, Guru's celebration after her penalty uh-huh. that was very funny. <laughs> I just love her. Every time she does, like, she's just a walking meme, but also one of the best players in the world. Like, I love that combination. It makes me very happy.
0: No, and I love how people just make you instantly a gift. And, like, she's just so good at doing that kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. What's the one where she's, like, walking into training and she's doing a little dance? Like, that's the one I see all the time. And that's the one that the Chelsea admin uses a lot. So I can imagine this is going to be another fan favorite.
1: Absolutely. And, And it was also interesting in that game that Lauren James started on the bench. So it wasn't Lauren James at the nine. And then we go to the Brighton game. And it continues. It's back. Lauren James at the nine. We'll continue until morale improves. That's what Emma Hayes is telling all the Chelsea pods. Shut up. I know what I'm doing. And against Brighton, <laughs> it actually worked quite well. So let me go through the lineup real quick because I know you have a lot to say on this. So we had Hannah Hampton back in goal. I don't know how many. Is this three or four straight I think starts? I so,
0: yeah. For well, United. So I love that. And then three in the midweek. Uh,
1: yeah. And so... Back four, we had Neve Charles, we had Natalie Bjorn, who's now just of mainstay in the back line, love that, uh, Jess Carter beside her, and then Eve Perce came in uh, on the right side. It's 4-2-3-1, so the two midfielders were Melanie Leopold and Aaron Cuthbert. The three, you had Guru, you had Fran Kirby, super Fran Kirby that is, and JoJo, Jana Retin Conrad, and up top, Lauren James, even though I still maintain in practice there was a lot of swapping. There was even times when it looked like a 4-4-2, especially out of possession, where uh, James and Kirby were both up top. But I concede James was still the 9, and it worked much better this time. Uh, Miriam, what did you think?
0: Yeah, I think... Um something that worked really well was um, getting possession from deep because Brighton were doing really well with their mid-block they were pressing really hard and cutting out the central areas so James was having to come quite deep to collect the ball but we know that's her favourite position when she's able to dribble and and transition possession up the field and I think that having Fran Kirby there another player who's just as good with their dribbling and ball ball handling really helped because it in an extra presence in the midfield area in the attacking midfield area that could kind of break down that mid-block so I was quite happy to see them work together and I also felt like Gura Wrighton was another presence in that mid in that attacking area when she was coming in from the flank and that left flank was kind of where a lot of stuff was happening between her Kirby and James um it was really a scenario that was kind of that's where we were thriving and so although you know we talked about James in, in the number nine position and now we're, we're lamenting about that and it's not ideal I do think that maybe against certain teams it's slightly easy to play like that Um, a team that presses quite hard in the first phase of play like Brighton were doing. And although that means the first half looked a little stodgy and it looked bad, actually, you know, at some point we knew that press was going to break down. At some point, Brighton were going to drop off. And when they did, well, James was in the perfect place to, to kind of make good use of that.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good way to describe it, even though in that first half, I was a little disappointed because, yeah, it was just kind of managing the game and dealing with what Brighton were doing. But Guru missed a shot, I believe, in the in the th- in the 13th minute, mm-hmm. really good good chance. Actually, got a pretty good shot on it. Um, required a pretty good save. It was a it was an assist from or would have been an assist from Neve Charles. And then Fran Kirby had a really good one just before halftime, I believe, in the 39th minute. Those were our two biggest in terms of XG, um, especially post-shot XG. Those were our two biggest chances. Uh Guru did have another one that was off target that was a 0.21 XG 2 in the 26th minute. So I think I was a little frustrated because I felt Felt like Guru doesn't really miss many chances. She she's known for being pretty accurate and deadly with her left foot. And I felt like, oh, if this going to become one of those games? Because you know, the, you know the opponent. It was, it was Brighton. It was Chelsea. It was away. We know how these things can go. <laughs> and so that first half, I was like, oh, come on, damn it, not this again.
0: Yeah, I think I, I think I felt a little bit like that. But um, I still felt like I, this wouldn't, this wouldn't happen for the full ninety. Brighton are, are playing a very intense game, uh, almost like the men's team. They're pressing their first phase of play. It's you know, it's going to at some point this is going to break down, right? Um, because most teams. That's like when they play like that, they go through cycles and transitions in the game where you're pretty intense and you drop off for 10 minutes. So I knew that opportunity was going to come. And lo and behold, it only took one minute into the second half to, <laughs> for things to turn around. I don't know what she said at half time, Emma, to them, probably just get a grip, you know, just. You know, be patient. The chance will come, and and sure enough, it did come. And of course, Neem Charles. You know, she's just she's been an assist queen this season. Um, and who else at the end of it were Lauren James? And oh my goodness, what a goal! What a half volley! Just the technique on that shot was it's just she, it was shocking almost because we see her score these all these types of goals but this one was more technical because the ball was slightly behind her and she had to position her body in a way where she wouldn't lose balance and then also control the power and direction and i th- i think this is the goal that stands out to me even though like she scored like 11 in the last sort of six games this is the one that stands out most for me
1: I also thought it was funny after that goal, how she like immediately points and runs over to Neve Charles, like almost like she was amazed at the assist where everybody else was amazed at the <laughs> yeah. strike that she played. It was like, I I love that connection. I love her giving props to Neve Charles, but I was like, you know, that one was, it was a good pick out by Neve Charles, nothing against her, but that strike controlling that shot from that angle, the way she had to shape her body in order to keep that shot on target and get power. I mean, I, honestly running out of words to really try to describe Lauren Janes, but like how many players in world football, men's or women's, can consistently strike the ball as well as she does?
0: I just don't, that's the thing though, like she's got so many different types of shots. Even when we saw her playing slightly deeper and, and she really struggled in a, cup, a couple of weeks ago in that game against um, uh, the FA Cup, where you know, she was trying to shoot from deep, but then she gets closer and she has all these other, other types of shots And it's not just one style of play and I think that's really hard to defend against because you're never quite sure what kind of shot you might get when she's playing as a number nine or whether she's playing as a number 10 or she's coming off the flank. She's got everything that you could possibly want so it's it's just simply astounding and I'm so happy that she plays for us because I think I probably couldn't stand it if she was anywhere else.
1: Uh, yeah, I'd be really scared. Like, uh, <laughs> seeing, seeing the talent and how it was developing, or, or at least just how it was on display, even in Manchester United, I was like, that's going to be a real problem. Hopefully she doesn't stay there very long. I know she's a Chelsea supporter, so hopefully she comes home uh, and she did. So I was real happy about that. But uh, as you mentioned... It was, Emma Hayes said something at halftime, and then 15 minutes into the second half, the game was over. So there were three goals in that span. We have to talk about Lauren James's, uh, it was it was a Lauren James sandwich, basically, so two goals by <laughs> Lauren James, but in the middle was this very special treat, a Fran Kirby header that just made me smile, it's like, it just made me happy. I love when Fran scores a header.
0: Yeah, it's like her first goal in such a long time, like, and... You know, this, you could see the way they were all celebrating and that made me really happy. Like all the players came over to her and it's just, it must have been so special to score that goal. Um, and it was such a poacher's goal, really a sort of a Sam Kerr coded goal, just getting in there and getting the final header. Um, but yeah, like I was just, I was so happy that it, it, it happened for her because nobody really deserves it more than her.
1: And it was fun because and it, was a, it was a Melanie uh, Leopold's uh, headed pass, headed assist as well. She just kind of, they played a little bit of head tennis in the box mm-hmm. uh, with Brighton kind of chasing the ball, which was very, very funny. And then the ball ends up in the back of the net. It's just, it's just a joy. It's just a treat whenever Fran, because Fran, what's Fran's like five foot tall, like she's not <laughs> yeah. a tall person. And when she scores ahead, at her, it just, it just really makes me laugh. And she doesn't, I won't say she scores them often. But every season or two, she tends to get a headed goal. And it's just like a little joy. It's like a little treat. Just a little treat for everybody uh, when Fran Kirby scores a header. But then, of course, 59th minute, Lauren James makes it 3-0. Basically wraps up the game. Um, This, again, you talked about the shot variety. This was another one. Ball is actually, it's a headed clearance from Brighton. She's in the right place to pounce, attacks the space. Brighton defenders are trying to close, but... They gave her just a little bit too much time, and she puts a just sweet charge into the ball, and it stays low right into the back of the net, Right skids right by the goalkeeper. Really nothing the goalkeeper could have done with that kind of shot, especially that range and that velocity on it. Just Lauren James doing Lauren James things.
0: But again, it's about controlling the power of the shot. Like She knows when to... You know, bury something, and when to actually play something, and when something needs a little bit more finesse, she knows everything. And I think that is a mark of a truly intelligent striker, or you know, attacking midfielder.
1: Yeah, and and so before, because I want to talk about something else that happened in the game. A debut was made, mm-hmm. and I do want to talk about that. And I want to talk about her as a player because I'm really excited that she's with Chelsea. But before we move to that, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about uh, in this game?
0: Um, I think, uh, Beaver Jones coming on as well. I know we're going to, she came on with somebody else who we're about to talk about. Um, (laughs) but her coming on, uh, just kind of really signifies again what's kind of going on in the striker role because we have the official and you know we've recently signed a new uh, a new sort of player who might be in that position and Lauren James has kind of been playing number nine but also we have Aggie Beaver-Jones who's been coming through the academy and and surely she's going to be getting more and more minutes Um, she went through a crazy sort of goal scoring streak and I think it was a couple of months ago and it just feels like I'm quite I'm quite glad that we're giving her more time and I thought that she did really well when she came on today and perhaps that's something that Emma might experiment with
1: yeah it's also kind of interesting because when we saw Aggie come on especially you know earlier in the season she was on fire she was scoring a bunch what she scored I think four goals in five games or something she Mm -hmm. had one wild streak that was it wasn't like of hat tricks which you know Lauren James didn't (laughs) get a hat trick this game which surprise uh but you know it was it was consistent goal scoring and then she kind of doesn't doesn't play for a little bit but that to me I kind of look at Emma Hayes' player management is this is what she does. She's not really gonna change what she does just because she's leaving uh, in the summer after the season. And it takes a while for young players to get into the system. And I do think that that's been interesting. I think, I was even looking at the stats. I know injury and inter- international play, well not injury, but international play has a lot to do with this. But even like Ashley Lawrence has only started four league games. Mm-hmm. You know, She's been using the in the Champions League quite a bit. But when you look at it, it's like Shokanuskin we thought that was going to be a mainstay in our midfield not so much. she doesn't do a ton of starting. so she's really kind of slow with how she moves these players in and kind of picks and chooses her spots and when she uses them, which is why I thought was really interesting one about Aggie Beaver Jones but also about me official as well and Shokanoskin so trying to figure out what's going on with all three. And then of course, well all three ended up coming into the game except for me official she was she was out. she played uh, against Real Madrid. But Mayra Ramirez Mm -hmm. came into the game, Chelsea signing, could be a record signing. I think if all the add-ins and everything are paid if 450,000 euros is what I believe is the initial fee plus another 50,000. I think I saw reported somewhere that included among those incentives is if she plays 30% of games. I don't know if that means 30% for the length of the deal, 30% for the remainder of the season, don't know what the contract actually says, but that is a, a big money signing from Chelsea. So first of all, when you heard the rumors and the signing became official, what did you think? And then we'll kind of get back to talking about her debut in this game.
0: Um, I was a little excited, a little excited, um, because I'd then gone done quite a bit of research into her and excited to see what kind of player she might be. But again, it's like um when we signed Sam Kerr and we were excited, obviously, but then we kind of thought, well, what's gonna happen with with the rest of the attacking lineup, because it means one player is going to miss out. You know, either it's going to be Beth England or Panilla Harder or Fran Kirby. Um, and so I I was, I'm kind of in that same boat where it's like, I'm really excited because here is a dynamic player, can play anywhere across the front line. Um, but actually, what does that mean for us? Because if she's starting, then does that mean me official doesn't, isn't involved? And we discussed that concern. I believe it was you in the group chat who said you were a little concerned. Um, so Maybe concern's not the right word, maybe it's curiosity at this play, at, at this sort of stage where it's like, you know, perhaps she's more of uh gonna become more of a rotation player whilst uh Ramirez plays alongside James or alongside Kirby. Um I like the fact that I think it was um, Paul Green, who's general manager, he talked about her playing anywhere across the front line. So there's a sense of adaptability, um, a sense of uh, versatility almost, and that she's someone who's got the physicality and athleticism to just be in any one of those roles. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see where Emma might play her. um, But I'm also kind of curious slash concerned about what that might mean for our sort of attacking lineup.
1: Yeah, I think so. Especially, you know, when you think ahead and you say, okay, once Sam Kerr is healthy, what happens? Are we just going to carry three Mm -hmm. strikers? And that's what it looks like would would be the case right now. So there does seem to be some questions that need to be answered. But obviously you want to give Sam Kerr as much time as she needs to fully recover from an ACL injury. Do not want her rushing back unless she is fully fit, fully healed. Uh, we've seen players like Ellie Carpenter come back really quickly, and, and she's been playing great, hasn't looked you know, awkward at all. And then we've seen other players like Kat Mercario, who has taken quite a long time to come back from her injury. And we've seen others who still aren't back from their injury here in the U.S. We've been waiting for Kristen Press for quite a while, and she's still not in training as preseason starts uh, with the NWSL. So she's on pace to still miss a little bit more time. We'll see what happens as as you know these preseason camps get underway. But, yeah, so I was excited ultimately about Ramirez because she, for me, was one of the standout players of the World Cup. And for me, i i I'm kind of keep waiting to see these signs of like the the deep football heritage crossing over into the women's game. And I think elite World Cup performances always get you a big money move in like in the men's game. Mm-hmm. And so I was waiting for this to happen for Ramirez, and it didn't really happen. And I was a little disappointed. And I'm glad that Chelsea did it. And obviously it comes as a bit of a necessity. So they said, okay, fine. And ended up paying as much money as they did. But I think her performance versus Germany is just stands out quite a lot. Because, obviously, that was one of the big early shocks of the World Cup. Colombia beating Germany 2-1. Obviously, it was an extraordinary goal from Linda Caicedo, placed for Real Madrid. It was just an absolutely outrageous goal. But if you kind of talk to anybody, I even think that Ian Wright at the time, when I was raving about Ramirez during that game, mentioned something about it as well. Just her hold-up play and her ability to link up, especially with all the defending that they had to do with numbers, Being able to have her as an outlet to let the team expand after they were done, you know, kicking the ball up to her and having her hold on to the ball as much as she could, either by drawing a foul or just keeping possession until other players could get up to that she could uh, engage in the attack. I was like, that's a rare skill, but she's 5'10". She's very strong. She also has very quick feet, so she can turn really quickly and put a shot on goal, which we can kind of talk about her debut was like one of the first things she did in a Chelsea kit. Frank Kirby needed one training session to realize, like, oh, here's what you do. You have the defender pinned on your back. Let me just roll the ball to your feet. <laughs> and she spun the defender around, kept her on her back, created some space, hit a shot. It was at the goalkeeper, but you could also see the power in the shot, and you could see how that could easily become a goal.
0: Yeah, I think that's the thing, though. It's like... um uh... You know, whatever she does, it's threatening. And I think that game against Germany, um, that that put her on the radio a little bit. And then when she, when they played England next, I remember I was doing a preview for it, and everyone was talking about Linda Kaysada. But I was like, hold on, there's another player here who's <laughs> yeah. also just as scary. Then um, let's not forget about her. Uh, she's just—it's not just like the skill of her dribbling, but also, as you say, the strength that she has to hold off possession. And then also be aware of what's going on around her, like her spatial awareness, especially when teams are pressing really hard. I thought that was really impressive against Germany because it was such an intense game. And her goal scoring, obviously, we've seen it in training. Which is, she's had thirty-two goals in, I think, it's ninety-five games in the Liga over the past four years. And it makes sense that this is the signing we're going for right now because the player profile is necessary for our team. But yeah, there is an element of 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 curiosity of of what happens when we might have to balance our you know out forwards
1: and i like that you mentioned what paul green said because yes technically she can even even with columbia she was very often out wide and sometimes even started as a kind of wide right player sometimes inverted uh, as almost a winger wide forward uh, or inverted forward but I don't know if that's the best use of her game. You know, like I said, she has quick feet, but you're not really looking at elite like top end speed. She can get by a player, but then she's sitting in a cross because it's really not like she's going to dribble into the box and beat like two or three more. So, like, if she's going to be delivering a cross wouldn't you instead want your 5 foot 10 very good in the air striker to be the one receiving the cross not putting in the cross mm-hmm. so i don't know i'm i've got questions about what actually happens in the future with her or how we use her but i had a diabolical idea mariam okay especially for this season Without Sam Curry, you know, she's kind of who we always look to when we were kind of, you know, really needed a goal. You could just boot the ball long up to her and she would just go in and get a goal. Or she comes up with a with the clutch goal when we really need them, uh, needed one. And that's kind of what we were going to do if she was fully healthy, you know, in the Champions League. She's a, she's a terrific X-Factor. Not only does she score, score a ton of goals, but her movement just makes it things so difficult for a defense to to manage. And it doesn't really matter who's defending. So that's exciting was exciting Mm -hmm. and then the injury
0: happened yeah and
1: now we're like what do we do so think about this. Could we just run out a diabolical four four two with Fishel and Ramirez and just beat the shit out of whoever oh is up God. there? Like, wouldn't like imagine a four four a really evil four four two? I'm I'm thinking almost with like Aaron Cuthbert out there as like a wide player as well. Newskin uh, maybe as well in the middle with loopholes. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. I was kind of just thinking like. Mm, box midfield maybe two really strong really diff- difficult players to deal with good link up play clever passing around the box might be a thing
0: you know i'm i'm thinking about it and i'm um, i'm liking it i'm thinking that this is this is quite this is not a nice thing to do to other teams because <laughs> me not official anymore. is like just your big, strong striker up front. But uh-huh. a player alongside Ramirez, who's somebody who's like also just as tenacious and difficult to mark, like that's, that's asking a lot of a backline. line. Um, and then throw in a couple of, of, of players in the middle of the park who are just as annoying like Cuthbert and, and Wright and, and possibly, you know, as you say, Nuskin. That becomes really, really tricky. Oh, God, that's not nice. That's not nice to do to other teams. Um, that would be a real throwback as well to um sort of Chelsea from four seasons ago where it's like let's just put all the attacking players on and, and we're gonna score more goals than year which I'm not against. I like the idea. If it works, it works, you know. Um but yeah, I could I could see that happening. I could entertain that.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, like coming up against some some big teams, you know, you the, the big teams that are obviously still left and, and going to make it through to the knockout rounds of the Champions League don't know what our path is going to end up being. But if you have to face a Barcelona, if you have to face a Lyon, you know, in the either early in the rounds or even in the in the final game, if we happen to happen to make it, if we're lucky enough to do that again. And like, I would love seeing that kind of tactic because one, just looking at the team sheet, I guarantee you the other team is going to be like, oh, really? <laughs> like what are we going to have to do with this all game? Uh, but then I also think it's a good way to defend. You know, you could really defend low, defend with numbers, but you're still going to be a hell of a lot to handle in attack with those two running around up there. Um, and they both do decent work in the middle of the pitch from lower areas in terms of holding up the ball. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of here for. I'm I'm eager to see if Emma Hayes is going to eventually pull that out, and if she does, I'm just going to laugh because I think it's going to be very very funny and could be very effective.
0: Now yeah, well, I wouldn't put it past her. We know we know that she likes doing that sometimes. In fact, I'm surprised we didn't see something similar against Brighton because it was the midweek game between two other games. Um, but I bet there'll be at least one fixture where we'll see something like that, and it will be diabolical. I'm guessing. <laughs>
1: I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Uh, so yeah, super excited about Ramirez being on the team. Um, I'm, I, I knew and wanted her to go somewhere with a little bit of a higher profile. No disrespect to Levante, who's actually been doing quite well in, in Liga FA over the past couple of years. In fact, kind of a perennial top three, top, you know, top of the table team, uh, even before she got there. But certainly once she got there, I believe she was, they were in second place when she left and last season they finished third. So yeah, not, not bad uh, when you're looking at that, uh, the talent around her as well. And and obviously she had a big part to play in it all. So, okay. Anything else to say about either one of those things before we just kind of look ahead at the calendar real quick?
0: I don't think so.
1: All right. So let's see. Our next game is coming up quite quickly, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Is that Tuesday on the 30th, I believe? Yeah, that is Tuesday. So that's an interesting Tuesday Champions League game. It's our last of the group stage. As I mentioned, if you look at the group and all the points and all of that, Technically, someone can tie with us. But even if they tie, they have to turn around a pretty big goal difference. So we're expecting to go through the tabletop. We can secure it with even a point against Paris FC. But that's the game that's coming up on Tuesday. And then at the weekend, Everton coming up.
0: Sunday, right? In the
1: WSL. Sunday, correct. Yes, Sunday. So I don't know, Miriam. Should we do predictions for just one or both, because because the Paris FC game is interesting. It's not a must win, but obviously you don't want to, you know, exit like head into the knockout rounds with a loss. So, is it about squad management or momentum? What do you think?
0: I don't know. That could be. I tell you what. That could be your diabolical rotation game. <laughs> <Because> it's, like, <laughs> it's it's you know it's the third game in how many days? Like less than a week now. We've already had three in a week, and this is the fourth in close proximity. So I think it's going to be about rotation. Um, Bichel didn't play against Brighton, so I'm guessing we we're going to see her. And Ramirez came off the bench, so maybe more time for her. Um, I think it's going to be just managing things because, as you say, we only need a point to get through. Um, and I don't know if Emma would want to put more focus on something that we're almost through then, as opposed to the league, which obviously is very tight at the moment. Um, I think we mentioned last week this, the top three are breaking away from everyone else. So I think, yeah, we're going to see some rotation. Um uh, are we doing score predictions, or uh, are you we? always like to kind I of? Do. I mean, I'm hosting,
1: so I could just uh, be like, "Bye, thanks everybody yeah. <laughs> for listening." But I kind of wanted to say, like, "Are are you gonna make me do
0: it?" Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna make you do it. <laughs> okay. Um, I figured. Yeah, I think so. I think that game will be like. I think if we're going to play a lot of rotate players, I'll say 2-1 against Paris FC. I think they'll they'll make it hard for us, as they always do, as they do against top European teams. But I think we will push through. And then Everton, I think we'll see a return of some of our stars, maybe a stronger lineup. And I will say 3-1.
1: 3-1. I like it. I like it. I'm not going to lie, I think Paris FC has been a little underwhelming, I would say. Um in there, I mean, think about how they started their Champions League campaign, right? I mean, they they beat what? Arsenal, mm-hmm. um who was I always get it confused. Was it Wolfsburg or was it Manchester United? Who was who did Manchester United? Manchester United played PSG. Okay. It was Arsenal and Wolfsburg that they kept out. Our nemesis Wolfsburg. So we have to <laughs> thank them. So, do we thank them by, you know, giving them a chance maybe, depending on Real Madrid. Happens in that in that Madrid hockey game, do we give them a chance to get through or do we just beat them and say, well, thanks for coming. Thanks for taking out our rivals. Um, see you next year maybe.
0: Yeah, I think <laughs> you, well, think, you yeah. do your job, you know. You had one job and you <laughs> did it. You can you can rest easy now. Yeah.
1: yeah, Yeah. fair enough. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of thinking um, this might end up being another boring game uh, where you control the game and instead of trying to get into a track meet, you don't really need, after the week of three games, you don't really need to do a ton of running. Mm-hmm. Um, the group is pretty much one. So manage the game, take your goals where you can. Maybe you get a penalty, maybe you tack on another goal and two nail maybe, thinking two nail.
0: Okay, I could see that.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens. Sorry, Paris FC. <laughs> I'd love to see you continue, but also I'm scared of you, so maybe it's best that you don't. <laughs> um, all right. Um, anything else before we get out of here?
0: You didn't say your Everton prediction.
1: Oh, I got to do Everton too. I to oh, do Everton. God, you're killing me. Well, I didn't make you. You just did it. Well, I said I <laughs> um, the
0: president, so you got to do it as well.
1: You, you, you did. You did. That's fair. Oh, I don't know. Everton's not looking great. Yeah. Um, So I think that could be a pretty lopsided one. I'm going to go say 4-0. I think that'll be a tough one. And I actually think, you know what? I'm gonna I'm do this. I'm gonna go one step ahead, one step above, one level above Ramirez. Her first goal for Chelsea against Everton. That's okay. what I'm going for. you heard it here yeah.
0: first, folks. Absolutely. From Andre. Well, last week, or the week before, Mia predicted, and she said that um, the United were going to win. And I said, "Well, you've heard it here first, and now you've said it. So maybe <laughs> you put it into you put some positive energy into the universe, um, and hopefully that will turn out better than you saying negative things about our team." <laughs>
1: That's that's fair. You know, we're going to try it. Let's see what happens. If it works, I'll be emboldened to do this again. I'll feel great. If not, it might be back to the negativity and the sadness. So we're going to see. I mean, basically, it's all in service to Chelsea. If I come out with low expectations and they blow them away, that's also in a reverse roundabout way. that's
0: psychology. <laughs>
1: exactly. So, you know, either way... I'm doing my part to help out this season. <laughs> Miriam's unconvinced. Um, all right. That's it from us. Thank you for listening to Fran Kirby's Fight Club. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, FranKirbyFC. That is, uh we, we try to do match tweets as well so we can follow through, uh, follow the games as they happen live before we talk about them. But obviously, we also post our podcast when they drop there. Um, Miriam, anything else to add?
0: I, I really hope that Ramirez gets a goal next weekend because you've said it. And now now I'm hoping for it. And now I want it. So uh, Now
1: you're putting the pressure on me to make so I, I can't make you, that happen. You, I just think it'll happen.
0: You said it would happen. And if it doesn't happen, you will never see me again.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Well, there's a lot of pressure on this game. So uh, come through Ramirez and Everton. Please come through or else there might not be a Frank Kirby FC. So we'll see if we talk to y'all later. Until then, thanks for listening.